everyone. Pete Van Epps, welcome back to another edition of the Camera Brooks Podcast. I'm excited to bring this podcast to you today. Uh, for this one, I interview Trey McAfee. Trey is a former Army chemical officer, but his experience is very broad as a chemical officer in the Army because he didn't do a lot of chemical officer-oriented work. He he was an infantry platoon leader while he was deployed company commander. He was a logistics project lead. So, yes, he has a, he has a really interesting background. Um, he is a plant manager at a company called Old Castle Building Envelope. And so Old Castle Building Envelope is a company that primarily makes commercial glass. And they make commercial glass for some very interesting and beautiful buildings across America. I'm going to, I'm going to link and I totally talk about this when I'm talking to Trey, but I'm going to link their uh, website and some of the projects that they've done um, in the show notes, but I encourage you to go check them out just because of the, the uniqueness and, and really beauty of the, the products that they make in the commercial glass space. So it's really neat. So um, Trey was recently promoted and he moved across country from uh, Arizona to New Jersey, but Trey came to the January 2015 conference and started his career at Old Castle. So in this conversation, I wanted to talk a little bit about our relationship prior to the conference because because we had an interesting one and a similar to one similar ones that I think mil, many military officers face in terms of making a decision about staying in the military or getting out of the military. And then so from there we talk about his first year in the military. And I often talk a lot about, I'm sorry, first year in business at Old Castle. Uh, I, I, I end up talking a lot about um, that first year to military officers and the challenge of the first year in business, leaving, leaving the comfort of your environment and your industry, you know, this, this, the, the military and national defense and getting into business and, you know, uh, new company and new people and new projects and new language and, it's just a, it's just a, 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 a first year. That first year is just one where um, a lot of learning takes place. So we actually kind of go down that road a little bit. He tells us a little bit about commercial glass manufacturing and what that's all about, and, and how, a little bit about how he learned the business and what he's up to. Um, it's interesting. Then the conversation takes a turn, and we start. He he had the opportunity to do a. Um, a customer service manager oriented role. So he started in production and then needed some help. And so he, he did a customer facing job for about a year, which, which we ended up talking about getting perspective, you know, working in production and then working with the customer. And now he's back to production with all of this um, uh, perspective from the customer's point of view, which is actually helping him to be a better production manager. Uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. And then lastly, we get into um, something that he has on, an e on his email signature block, PACE, positive attitude changes everything, and, and why he put that there and what that means. And, and I just think it's really cool and good advice. Uh, so hopefully you appreciate that and maybe even can implement that in, in what you're up to professionally. So um, uh, great conversation with Trey. I think you'll really like it. If you're new to this whole thing and haven't listened to any podcasts or anything from us before and want to know more about Cameron Brooks, you can check us out on our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. Uh, lots of open source material that we create for the junior military officer to help you get more perspective about 
what a transition might look like. If you're looking for the ultimate guide in perspective on a transition, you can check out PCS to Corporate America, the big book written by Roger Cameron. It's in its fourth edition. You can find, find it on Amazon. Um, great place to learn more. We actually offer the introduction in Chapter 1 for free that you can download and read on our website. Check that out as well. So lots of resources that you, you can use out there to uh, learn about more about Cameron Brooks. Well, without further ado and uh, anything more, I'm going to pass it off and we're going to start our conversation with Trey. Enjoy. Trey McAfee, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes out of your busy schedule to uh, to visit with me today. Good to talk to you again. It's been a couple of years. It has been a couple of years. So as I said in the intro, you came to the career conference in January of 2015. So you've been Essentially, you've been out of the military now for three and a half years. Um, we were obviously we were getting on to you know where you are in your career right now and your recent promotion. So I definitely want to dig into that. But I, where I'd like to start is just tell us a little bit about your military background. Uh, let, let's just start there. Let, let's hear. Let, let everyone know a little bit about kind of militarily where you come from. Okay, um, I commissioned in 2008 into the Chemical Corps. And uh, when I came in, you know, there's not a whole lot of need for a chemical officer at that time, um, unit that I was with um, out in El Paso. Uh, so I got shuffled around uh, quite a bit, I think, in Iraq for the first three months. I was a uh, S-1 administration officer, um, and shortly uh, after that time, those first three months, um, my commander had seen some potential and uh, gave me a rifle platoon out there, which was really exciting. Not a whole lot of chemical officers get an opportunity like that. Um, and it really started getting me scratching at uh, what my highest level of potential would be in the Army. Um, a few staff positions after uh, their career course out in Fort Bragg. I was a uh, brigade chemical officer, and then I got my chance in 2014 um, to go be a commander for uh, 21st Chemical Company out in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Um, and that was kind of my dream job. Um, mm -hmm. So those were those were really the positions that I worked in. Never did a whole lot of chemical stuff except for uh, <laughs> that chemical company commander time. Right. So um, we were, again, we were talking about this prior to hitting the record button here, but... Um, when you and I first met, I think it was at Fort Bragg, but now my memory escapes me there. But I remember it was in the spring of 2013. We sat down and had a conversation about a transition, and it was a productive conversation. But at that point in the game, you were, you know, just kind of seeing how things were. You definitely weren't committed to fully getting out of the military or coming to the business world. I know that in your past, you have family members and others who are who are more government in nature. Of course, you were a, quote, government employee at the time. And then we had a full year break between when we when we had that initial meeting in 13, and then we hooked up again in 2014. So share with us a little bit, because I think a lot of military officers experience this. They, they know they're in a, a season of life in the military where they're approaching a crossroads, where I'm either going to stay in the military and make it a 20-plus year career, or I need to start figuring out what else is out there. 
you knew the military. You also knew government based on some, you know, relationship you had outside of the military. Um, and then we met in 13 and started talking about business. Can you just kind of share with us a little bit about where you were in 2013 and how that how we got to partner in 2014? Yeah, I uh, I was the brigade staff officer in uh, 2013 when you and I had met out at Fort Bragg, and I called you for a meeting um, because somebody had mentioned how, and I'm not trying to schmooze you or anything, how great Cameron Brooks was, and uh, I was like, well, let me, I at that time, 2013, I wanted to be a 20-year guy, grandpa, dad, uh, uncles were all 20-year guys, and that seemed like the way to go, but um, just something in the back of my head said, uh, keep your options open just in case kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I took our meeting and honestly was probably about, you know, 10% into really thinking about getting out um, ever again. And uh, and then I had my uh, chemical company command, and it was... Uh, extremely successful and fun um and at that point whenever it was over i had this uh, extreme sense after being able to see the staff time that i did and the command time and organizational leadership um that i had i i didn't feel like i had topped out in my army career but i did feel like every time i jumped i was hitting my head on the ceiling um because of the how structured the army is as far as uh, promotions go, and not even just promotions, opportunities for uh, just positions within the captain realm or the major realm. Um, I felt like I was going to have a much harder time earning um, what I thought I had earned um, mm. than I would have uh if I was to get out and because I had been, I had been doing my reading and I had, uh, read PCS, um, to corporate America and, um, towards the end of my company command time, whenever I was thinking about these things. And, um, it was, it was very luring based on what I was experiencing in the army at that time. Um, when you came to the career conference, and had had the interviews that you had. I don't necessarily. I don't, it doesn't make sense to kind of jump in and start talking about specific companies that you interviewed with. But um, what what was the conference like for you in terms of in terms of the companies you did interview with? What what was your impression of those companies? How did you hit it off with them at the conference? Let's just talk just for a moment about your experience in that path. Uh, there was a really wide range of companies and uh, personalities that I got to speak mm. with. I recall um, a specific company, and <laughs> I will not use names, um, just incredibly uh, rude almost um, mm. to a bunch of the people that I was talking to. I know I knew other people that had interviewed, and, um, you know, they were – it was just – not what I was expecting at all um, from a them talking to themselves the entire time instead of me. Um, there's other ones mm -hmm. that were extremely interested in my skill set and how I problem solve, and um, they were writing you know everything that I said down. And then there's other ones we never talked a single bit about the work. 
they wanted to know more about my family and where I came from and what kind of places I want to live in. Um, so a really wide range. I I very much recall being uh, extremely nervous on the first day. I I think I might have thrown up a little in my mouth uh, <laughs> right before the first round of interviews started. But, uh, you know, it, it took about two minutes to really get the jitters out and start leaning on the uh, months of practice that went into it. That's my, mm-hmm. my recollection. So you chose Old Castle. Uh, I'd like to know, first of all, can you describe your company to us? What do you do? Who are your customers? And then secondly, I'd like to know a little bit more about why you chose. I mean, you had options. I think you came to the conference. Yeah, I mean, I remember you coming to the conference and having a successful conference, having um, a number of companies demonstrate interest and show interest in you. Who's Old Castle Building Envelope, and why did you choose them? Old Castle Building Envelope is a uh, architectural glass and uh, metal aluminum company. Um, so what we do is we fabricate glass and uh, aluminum um, for installers. So our customer is not the end user. It's not you and me buying a shower door um, for our house. We sell to the people that install it. Um, So when I break a window, I call somebody that uh, installs windows. Um, Well, they call somebody that makes the window, and that's us. Um, And... Mm -hmm. So we have a uh, you know a mothership in Ireland that's the company and um, they're called CRH big big construction materials company and um, in the mid 90s they made a big push for buying up uh, a bunch of mom and pop companies here in the U S and um, they aligned them and kind of reformed the leadership uh, structure and called it Old Castle so I mean you can. You know, something that you just don't even realize, uh, we are on DIY network like 15 times a day um, for right. not just for windows, but for the uh, ceramics and the um, uh, cement business and the brick and mortar uh, businesses that we have, um, which fall under kind of different um, leadership across the country. Um, but that's pretty exciting. You know, the... I didn't know anything about Old Castle whenever I got there. Danielle and I, we were looking through um, the packages and all the swag uh, that you get whenever you first get there, and we were like, well, it's a nice uh, booklet, but I have no idea what any of this is. Right. <laughs> so, that, uh, right. you know, it's uh, it's almost intimidating, like, because you guys keep telling us they know you don't know anything, but we don't believe you, of course, mm-hmm. and... We get there, and I'm, like, studying this booklet. Like, they're going to ask me a million questions about what their product line is. And, of course, that never happened. Um, Old Castle was one of the companies at the um, at the uh, little meeting that we had in Charlotte that um, never asked me a single question about work. They asked me about my family, told me about uh, different opportunities, asked me where I wanted to live. Um, and they actually told me that, uh, they had a position open in Los Angeles. And so I thought, uh, if they did like me enough and I liked them enough that, uh, we would be meeting up again in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, I, 
I think they were I had you're right I did have a bunch of opportunities I think whenever I got through the first portion of interviews um after those two days that they were number 5 on my list going into wow. the uh, flyouts Okay that 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 begs the question how did how did you go why did you go work for number 5 on your list what happened in that 3 week period of the follow up interview process that took them from you know, five to making the choice to work for Old Castle. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's really funny, and I think maybe a lot of I never asked anybody this, but uh, it's possible that other people have gone through this. Um, with uh, one exception, every time I flew out to an interview, I was like, "Hey, this is the company I'm going to go work for. I love them, and uh, I liked mm-hmm. each one one after the next." And it was probably mm-hmm. because they were you know freshest in my mind or something like that. Um, but uh, Old Castle was, I think, number five on my visits or number four. I, I remember taking uh, extra visits because I had time off um, to be able to take. And, uh, you know, when I got to a couple of other places, they were um, late picking me up at the airport, like super late. I'm not talking about um, just a little bit late or, um, made me catch my own taxi in on a, uh, you know, hour and a half drive to a hotel in the middle of the night. Um, or I had to, uh, kind of sit out in a waiting area, uh, for an extended period of time. And all of those things are very, uh, little minor details, but, you know, looking back, they, they all added up. Um, Old Castle, the general manager, the boss I would potentially be working for, uh, was waiting for me at the airport in his own personal car, and um, we drove back. And, uh, you know, the first thing that I remember about that interview out um, in Phoenix was being surprised that it was going to be in Phoenix. Um, the uh, regional president um, had reviewed all the resumes that they got from uh, Cameron Brooks and saw that I was... Uh, that I had graduated from University of Arizona and uh, supposed that there was an Arizona connection and said that uh, they have an availability in uh, Phoenix, and so he wanted me to interview there. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole time that I was there in Phoenix, they never made me feel like a number, and that's that's the biggest thing that uh, stood out for me. Um, I had no idea still what they did whenever they described it to me um a gentleman named rick who was another general manager on the east coast is the guy i interviewed with first and he made it so- sound like uh middle earth you know with these furnaces and flames blowing up in the air and it's hot and sweaty and all this stuff and it wasn't like that at all <laughs> you know, I, whenever i imagine plant making glass uh i think of like the old steel mills from uh rudy or something like that right um, sure 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 wasn't like that at all, and I absolutely fell in love with the ability over a two-day period to be able to put your hands on a product and uh, quantify data. The hardest thing for me in the Army ever um, kind of accepting success or failure was that I had such a struggle qualifying or quantifying um, you know, our training level. Whenever I was a company commander, they want you to put, are they trained, not trained, or in process, or something like that. And I had to give these briefs to a brigade commander. And 
I had no idea. I was like, well, we did the training, so, hey, I'm going to put a T on there. But there was no way for me to um, really tell that based on running some reports and things like that. And I know I think probably some people aren't into that. I'm really into it. I've got an engineering degree and really into math and all of that stuff and really being able to work out a finite problem uh, to find a root cause. Um, And I just I saw everything there. There's the organizational leadership. It was uh, being a plant manager at Old Castle is so much like being a company commander, where you're uh, responsible for the morale, people, equipment um, of this organization, and you gotta you gotta keep it up and you gotta keep the maintenance going. There's just so many questions that I want to ask you based on based on what you just said. Let me let me hit on a couple of big topics. Ones that tend to come up a lot. Ones that we end up talking about. Let's start with with glass manufacturing. Okay, so actually, let me back up. So Old Castle, and, and, and I would encourage anyone listening to this to go, to go to the Old Castle Building Envelope website and get on the page that is essentially their gallery of products. And so on the website, there's curtain walls and entrances and architectural windows and skylights and architectural glass, et cetera. But it's all, like, really pretty you know, I don't know if that's the right word to use, right? But really uh, sophisticated, you know, it's just really neat. So we're talking about commercial glass. When I talk about Old Castle Building Envelope, I know the the plant in Dallas made all of the glass for Cowboys Stadium. So we're talking about these massive commercial glass um, um, projects, custom-made projects. And so, again, if you're listening to this, and I'll link this in the show notes, but I would definitely encourage you to go check out their website and some of the things that Old Castle Building Envelope does. It's really neat. It's very sophisticated. It's very tailor-made to what, you know, the customer is looking for. So that being said, that kind of intros my next question. You know, you, you had mentioned, you know, the old steel mills, and that's how, you know, you think about manufacturing, you're taking them, but, you know, taking this vat of molten steel and pouring it into another yeah, right. smaller vat of molten steel and there's sparks flying everywhere and everyone's wearing a welder's mask. And, you know, manufacturing is not that at all. But no. from your perspective, tell me more. Let, give me, paint the picture. Let me understand that more. Uh, you know, 21st century manufacturing, um, it is a lot of manual labor and it is a lot of automation. And, um, it's a lot of amazing machinery, and um, the, the challenge is motivating individuals and keeping equipment running to be able to um, successfully get your product out on time and um, to the customer. Um, you know, it's for for Old Castle. Um, everyone is different, and that's the really fun and unique thing is that there's this. Uh, big mothership upstairs um, counting the beans um, for us. However, it is very entrepreneurial. It's not so much a uh, franchise, if you will, um, but the general manager is um, a business owner, and he runs that business and is responsible for the uh, profit and loss of it. Um, Our manufacturing facilities are are clean and uh, well-lit and... um, (laughs) I would say, uh, you know, they could be better climate controlled. <laughs> that would be useful. Okay. Um, but you know, that's 
it's manufacturing and it's slinging glass and uh only the strong survive in uh in many ways but it's it's certainly so much better than um what i had been expecting you know you can expect for depending on what you're doing um you know we wear we wear a lot of ppe uh we wear steel toed boots and uh leather chaps and these things called tough and light shirts that are uh resistant to um glass uh cuts and we wear hard hats and glasses or eye pro and uh ear pro um all day long while we're working on these things mm-hmm. um and two layers mm-hmm. of gloves uh to be able to do it so mm-hmm. it's not like donning your mop gear or anything like that but uh right. you know you do have to uh stay safe it's very important and so give me give me a sample you know of something that you guys are you know, you don't have to be overly specific and share any secrets, but give me some an example of what you guys are working on now or maybe a big project that you've been been leading over the course of the last little while. Right. Um, you know, the big the big push right now in uh two thousand eighteen and probably for the next four years is uh partitioned areas. We have made a lot of money over the last uh two decades um, doing commercial projects, the big skyscrapers in New York and the big football stadiums down in Dallas. Um, And we've been trying to sink our teeth into the residential high-end market out in Scottsdale, Arizona, um, putting Mm -hmm. in these gigantic, beautiful um, windows that uh, deflect uh, solar radiation um, using proprietary products and things like that. Um, but right now, it appears that the big push is in uh, commercial building renovations on the interior. And so instead of these uh, partitions of drywall and um, and other products that they use to um, push apart office space, uh, a lot of... Um, general contractors that are doing renovations are looking at uh, glass partitions and uh, very high-end glass partitions. So um, a few of our projects right now are for um, partition space modular partition space. So you can move these uh, walls, if you will, whenever you want to, or be able to put them up very quickly. Um in the Philadelphia, New Jersey, and New York area. And so uh, there's a lot of fabrication. You know, we have a, we'll call it a drill. It's called a CNC. Some of you will find out uh, what a CNC is one of these days um, if you get into manufacturing. Um, but, you know, we fabricate the glass. Uh, we cut it into whatever shape the customer needs. Usually it's a rectangle. And uh, we polish the edges to give it a uh, high shine. So it doesn't uh, a so it doesn't cut you and b so it um, it almost has a prism effect where when light bounces off it it uh, looks beautiful and then uh, we'll drill holes into it um, with a CNC in order to um, be able to put clamps that mount to the wall so that it stays in place um, and then we will temper the glass uh, tempering is the the fun part of glass fabrication. Uh, it's not the sexiest part, but it is the most important part. Uh, tempering glass um, is what creates uh, those tiny little glass pellets whenever it breaks in the movies uh, or when your car window breaks. Uh, that's tempered glass, and we have to do that in order to meet uh, federal standards. Um, so 
uh, and then we ship it out. And uh, that's what I've been working on with uh, Night Shift for the last seven weeks. <laughs> gotcha. Well, let's um, let's talk a little bit about your career progression because you you'd said it when you when you stepped out of the military, started work back in early January, back in early 2015, started in Arizona, which is where you're from, where your family is. Now you're now you're in New Jersey. So maybe actually let's just kind of talk through that a little bit. So you're you're leading a team, leading a you know being a leader in Phoenix, and now you're in New Jersey. How did all of that play out? Right. Well, the the ad in the paper said plant manager uh, for Old Castle, but um, they were they were very upfront with me um, about what the career progression um, would look like. You know, I think at the at the career conference. Um, when you spoke to the room, you said, "Hey, they're looking for a general manager um, or somebody to develop into a general manager, and that's about ten years down the road." Um, and so that number expanded and contrasted uh, throughout the last three years. Um, but when I started there, my official title was plant manager. Um, you know, to provide predictability and uh, sense of foresight for everybody listening out there, you're not really you're going to have the authority of a plant manager. Um, however, there most likely will be somebody there um, mentoring you and really making the decisions, not behind your back, but with you about what needs to get done. Um, I felt really good whenever I got there, that my uh, leadership strength suited um, the position that I was in, and I was making a few small impacts uh, immediately. Um, but I myself and my general manager, within about three months of me getting there, um, could really see that I was plateauing in my ability to answer specific questions or make decisions about what needed to be done uh, for production that day. And so, honestly, um, we kind of hit, you know, did the timeout hands, and um, I didn't stop being plant manager um, officially, but I stopped uh, doing plant manager things, and I just started working on the floor uh, for about four months, um, I was I was a grunt. I was out there uh, learning how to cut glass, and I was learning mm-hmm. how to operate a CNC. And then I graduated to being an oven operator, um, operating my own piece of equipment and leading a small team of guys. And then I got my own department um, <clears throat> where I was uh, leading a team of about 12 guys in the IG area. And in each one of those steps, um, I was making improvements to the team, making improvements to our production efficiencies. Um, and, I, and I say, you know, I got the opportunity and I got promoted to being an IG department lead. I was still the plant manager during this entire thing, and everybody, uh, right. I suppose, re- respected that. Um, but that's, I thought it was really important. I hated it at the time. I I felt like I got punched in the stomach when we had the conversation about it because oh I'm not doing good enough or something like that but um and it's not 3 years ago looking back you know within 2 months after the whole thing was done um looking back into it you know I was able to answer so many more questions and um from employees from my general manager uh from my regional president that uh, had hired me um and was really able to 
start connecting dots. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's one of the the most important things I would say for any manager is to be able to see the second and third order effects of um, decisions that are made or things that happen, um, incidents during the day. Um, and so being able to, uh, whether you can react quickly or not to them, but being able to make the right decisions based on some historical data is always a good thing. Um, so I got my plant manager title back, <laughs> you know, in that first year. You never year. lost it, but you were running some of that equipment yeah, along yeah, the way. Exactly. But it's so important. Like, you know, you, I know you didn't expect this, but you, no one, I don't think anyone expects to run in and start running the operation having not gotten, and that's a pretty common theme, right, and having not gotten your hands on the equipment, not really, you know, understood. the. That's I think that's the hardest thing about making a non-traditional leap or, or a non-traditional candidate making a leap into a new industry. It's like, you know, you're, you're leaving, you know, the chemical core, national defense, government employee, government service, and you're like, okay, now you're going to, you know, lead teams of people who make commercial glass for these high-end buildings. It's like, well, uh, what? <laughs> and so I, it almost feels like there's almost a required that, we, that maybe is a little unspoken, not not intentionally, but just unspoken in that, wait, I've got to learn this business first. Would, right? Am I on the right track there? You are. You are. And the, the reason it's so difficult for us is because it makes us feel like a uh, – well, when I got to Old Castle, I very much recall telling my wife that I feel like a second lieutenant again. Um, I've, you know, our personalities have been developed since we were 21 years old, and our skill sets, for the most part, have been developed since we were 20 years old. Um, but I remember my first year in the Army having no idea what anybody was talking about because I didn't understand the lingo and I didn't understand all these acronyms. And then uh, I finally got it figured out <laughs> by the time I was a captain and uh, right. and going to Old Castle. And again, I have no idea. The problem is, is that in the Army, they don't make you, unless you went through OCS or something like that, um, you know, and you were enlisted before. As an officer, quite frankly, um, nobody makes you you know, pick up a shovel and uh, go dig a hole somewhere. Um, it's very structured and, hey, here's what people do, and you're in this position to lead and develop as a lead or a staff officer. And, uh, you know, Old Castle, um, in, generally in manufacturing, um, you have to be able to do that, A, um, to earn the respect of the people around you um, that know that you're green and, uh brand new, and then B, to be able to just really understand those concepts. Um, you don't work at a 500-foot level. You work at a you know, 15-foot level every day as a plant manager. Um, I, I end up talking a lot, especially in the introductory meeting that we give to officers who are exploring their options and looking at things outside of the Army, I talk about the difficulty of the first year. It's really exactly where we're going, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but how hard that first year is because to the point, new new industry, new company, new people, new language, new everything. And so, you know, knowing that, you know, walking into this thing eyes wide open, first year not going to be easy because, you know, you're not going to be in a second lieutenant from a rank perspective, quote, second lieutenant from a rank perspective, but you're but uh, just to put an exclamation point on your comment, you're going to feel like a second lieutenant because 
or an 01 for those who for like an ensign in the navy or whatever uh because you're going to you're going to feel like man I got to learn all this stuff again so it's just a great point to make cuz here you are kind of now you're fully you know versed right you're running things in in your facility been promoted moved on to New Jersey but yeah. it obviously just wasn't like that from the beginning no no it wasn't um so I uh I had a really good general manager mentor who took my career path very seriously, and uh, you know my my role as a plant manager was really after that training it was only for about uh, six more months, and during that whole time it was really more of a production manager, anyways, um, as far as uh, hiring and firing goes, and being able to uh, organize teams. Um, my general manager, after that first year, moved me over um, into our customer service department. Uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, he knew that I had, um, I don't know, computer skills, I suppose, which is uh, kind of hard to find in um, some areas. And uh, our customer service manager had quit, and it's a, it's a very important position in a uh, manufacturing facility. Um, so... It was also an opportunity for me to go learn the front side of the business. And so whenever I say mm -hmm. the front side and the back side, uh, generally people refer to those as the back side of the business is where you are creating or manufacturing the actual product. And the front side of the business is um, everything else that involves the customer. So it's the financial side, it's the sales side, it's the customer service side. And I really didn't have any understanding of what the front side of the business was. And it opened up that, uh, you know, 10, 12 months that I uh, spent as the customer service manager completely opened up my eyes to the rest of what our company um, had to offer, so to speak, and where I fit in that mold, where where the relationship has to be built between the front and the back side of the business. Um, and it gave me a new perspective for what I could be um, or how I could be a better plant manager whenever I went back to that position, um, you know, after my time in customer service was done. Let me pull on that thread because it's exactly where, yeah, how how is that the case? So you were... You you started in at Old Castle working you know the back to use your terminology the backside of the business making the product engaged in the team understanding the equipment you know meeting you know get like you said earlier keep putting your hands on the product quantifying data in terms of production then they're like okay well now be a customer front side you're going to go face it and interact and face the customer okay now you're back to being a plant manager so you're working back in you know the backside again and so how are you a better plant manager, production, you know, leading production operations, having spent a year doing customer-oriented or customer-facing or oriented type of work? You know, I, uh, I learned more about, I really mean this, I think I learned more about our product um, working in customer service than I ever did in that first, even though I was, like, working on the floor creating the product um, than I did whenever... Uh, I had first got there and I was working on the floor. And the reason that I say that is because in customer service, you know, part of it for our company is data entry. We get uh, hundreds of orders a day and we have to input those. And so I was doing the, uh, you know, the grunt customer service work. And so understanding how that uh, data is input into our system 
help me learn how an insulated glass unit uh, is made and what the different sides of it are. Um, I won't get into too specific. The other thing is yep. um, is that when you hear customers uh, complain about the product that we're sending out, um, I never got that feedback whenever when I was a plant manager, um, at least in the beginning. Um, and and if I did, I don't remember uh, or didn't understand what it meant. And so really being able to uh, speak with our customers over the phone, um, ask them questions, and some of them were patient, some of them were not. Um, yeah. you know, we have we have to logo our glass, and uh, to say that uh, we are um, allowed to by um, the federal government that we are allowed to temper glass. Um, so we put a logo on it. Well, we sometimes logo glass incorrectly. We put it in the wrong spot. Why is that important? I had never understood why that was important um, until I worked in customer service and was able to talk to somebody on the phone and, hey, here's if you put it in this spot, it's still wrong, but we'll take it because it's in this spot. We will never take a logo up here. And so it really opened my eyes up, and that's a small example, but there's hundreds more, yeah. um, to, you know, just ways to be able to mentor other people and take all that knowledge and be able to teach yep. it to our uh, team leaders and supervisors as well so that we can all get better and I wasn't just hoarding all this information. It's interesting. In the military, you know, we, we rarely get uh, a glimpse into the big picture. You know, you you, you kind of know your lane, and even if you, quote, have a customer, they tend to be the operate, you know, in your operational lane, but but – you know, I guess in my head I'm, I can see this clearly, but I'm not saying it as clearly as I want. In the military, you don't you, you kind of do your thing. You know, just like when you stepped out to Old Castle, you kind of did your thing. And operationally, you had skills and experiences that allowed you to be successful in leading teams and making product and doing all the things that that you as a military officer and as a leader do. But now seeing the other side of it just kind of rounds things out. And I think we just miss a little bit of that in the military, by and large. Like, you just don't see the full picture. But in the business world, the bottom line is, to be cliche, the bottom line is the bottom line. The customer matters most. Great. Production matters. We've got to do all these things. Maintenance matters. Teams matter. But if someone's not buying your product, it's all for naught. And so having that perspective I love the way you shared that because having the perspective makes you a better leader overall because you appreciate the overall mission of the of the of the company. Thoughts? No, I, I think that's absolutely true, and it's um, you know for a uh, for a junior officer in the army, um, there is almost no exposure unless you're like a general's aide or something like that. I was never one, mm -hmm. but I think think mm -hmm. of a other uh, position that um, would offer that. Mm -hmm. Kind of that bigger picture. All right, we're up against the clock, but I wanted to ask you a question. When we were, when you were interacting with, um, with, and one one thing I I want to you know shamelessly plug Cameron Brooks when when you were making a move to New Jersey and in the pr promotional component, you know I just really appreciate the fact Trey that you you reached back to Cameron Brooks for two reasons. One, say hey, I'm going to do some interviewing. Can I get some help? And then two you know, hey, I got the job, just wanted to keep you guys informed. I just really love that interaction. On your email, though, there was a place toward the bottom, and I assumed it was just part of the signature block because I saw the email in a different system, so I didn't 
I don't I don't have I don't see the actual email, but it says pace. Positive attitude changes everything. That's right. And you I don't think you had that tag, email tag, signature, whatever in the army. Maybe you did. I assume you were carrying that message with you in the army. I think that's probably intrinsic to you, but why why did you put that in your email and tell me more? Because I it just I couldn't agree more. Positive attitude changes everything. But why is that on your email? I had um it, it wasn't in um on my email um signature block in the army. Um about about eight months into my uh time with Old Castle I went up to our one of our facilities in Hourville and you know I went out to visit them and uh this thing is posted everywhere and I'm seeing it in like emails. There's got their emails don't spell it out though, and so I'm thinking pace. You know, you got to work at a safe pace, man. Slow down so we're safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, pace yourself, right? Yeah, I talked to their general manager, and I was like, "That's great that you guys had that posted everywhere." And uh, he looked at me like I, <laughs> you know, I had something growing out of my forehead, um, and he was like. <laughs> You know, it stands for positive attitude changes everything, and uh, I was like, oh, that's pretty neat, and, you know, a week went by and got a follow-up email from him, and I saw it, and uh, no kidding, I was just having a really bad day, and, uh, you know, it's just something about the email that he sent to me and what I had seen a week before um, just encouraged me to... Uh, look at it a little bit differently. And so, you know, the Army, there's things about fake motivation and real motivation, and any motivation is motivation. It's very it's very similar. Um, you know, people, people do not like to work with a boss that uh, is off. That's, that's what people say here in New Jersey. You seem off. Um, when your attitude, you don't have to be, you know, chippy and you know, telling jokes to everybody and everything like that, but um, people can see it what you, that you wear it on your sleeve whenever you come into work uh, with a poor attitude, and people mm-hmm. uh, consistently react negatively to it, and uh, it's not productive at all. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, uh, I try to, I put that in my signature block, uh, kind of copying somebody else, but you know, that's, uh, I saw it in a signature block and it affected me and it is, um, you know, it's changed a lot of how I wake up at, uh, you know, five o'clock in the morning and how I approach the day, um, you know, no matter what happened the night before, uh, no matter what my kids said to me, <laughs> I got to go into work and uh, just make a really honest effort at being positive. Great advice. As you're saying that, I'm, I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm, I mean, in my heart, I'm softening. I've had an interesting day with a couple of, couple of barbs that have come my way, and, uh, and so you're, you're motivating and inspiring me as we're, uh, as we're working through it. I, uh, I really appreciate the time, Trey. That's good. I, when people listen to this, they'll feel the same. So, I'm sorry, that was a long-winded way to say thank you very much. That was insightful, and I appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the invitation, and uh, I, you know, I remember listening to the calls. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if we had podcasts back in 2015, but there was like a webinar or something like that for us to log into. And I remember mm-hmm. there would be uh, two people calling in, and it'd be kind of like a panel 
um, sort of mm-hmm. thing. They would go back and forth answering questions. And uh, not gonna lie, I always wanted to be one of those guys. I was like, I can't wait till I know what the heck I'm cool. doing. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> oh, I, am tr- I love it. And uh, I hope everybody listening, um, you know, whether you listen to what I'm talking about or not, um, you know, Mike. Joel, Rob, listen to these guys. Don't don't pigeonhole your career path because you think you know something. Really be open um, at that uh, career conference, and it's going to bring you a lot of success. Such such great advice. All right, Trey, thanks so much. Great to uh, great to visit with you again. All right, thank you, sir.